My fellow deep thinkers, welcome to Deeper Meaning Time. Today is episode 12, and uh, we are just here now after Christmas, um, getting into the new year. I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas break. Um, I hope you spent time with your families and hopefully not a lot of time on your smartphones or on devices. I know that uh, Christmas time is usually a time full of gifts that are you know, technology and expensive items, things like that. Uh, but uh, I just I really hope that people did get some time to actually just you know sit around and kind of think, take some time for themselves and for their family, um, not to uh, you know get on social media and, and sort of just you know inflict your brain with all kinds of mumbo jumbo and negativity off of uh, different places online, the news. Um, it's a time to just be positive, to have cheer, um, to be in good spirits and be happy. And uh, so, yeah, I hope you guys did enjoy your, your Christmas holidays. And uh, guys, this is going to be a new year. New year, new me. Um, hopefully a new year, new you. That's always everybody's resolution. But, uh, you know, as it turns out, it doesn't always <coughs> happen the way you want it to. Your your year, your new year, new you sort of attitude sometimes just ends up being a little uh, off the rails um, for most people. But that's just the way it is, you know, not everything you can control. You can definitely make a good effort and uh you know this this year i'm working towards with this podcast to grow it further grow it larger and uh, it's only with your guys' support and uh and with the sponsorship that i have to obviously plague you guys with in the beginning of my episode but uh without flipboard um i might not get anywhere you know when without anchor and uh, i might not get anywhere without anchor either you know so i i encourage you guys to um, follow me on anchor you can listen to me on there you can support this channel on the Anchor app. You can also support me on my website, deepremainingtime.com. And uh, and on there, you can see all of the episodes I post. I leave little uh, full-length articles where you can like, share, and comment um, in them so I can get your opinion. And uh, you can even email me voice messages. I would love to uh, feature someone's voice message or, or anything, um, a, sh- a small little tidbit. You can email me at deepremainingtime.com. Or you can email me at deeper meaning time at gmail.com sorry but um so i really want this year to uh, to really grow this this show um because i think it's it's going to be an important step um not only in my future but sort of in the future of a community of thinkers that are um all alike we are you know that we all uh, can come here and we can all take time out of our day to to sit down learn something new hopefully uh, share some knowledge of our own share our opinions and uh and I, I think we can really do something with this. Um, I do. And uh, and sadly, I don't think I'm going to be in. I don't think I'll end up having my buddy Scott on. So I'm just going to have to sort of schedule someone else in. And uh, I hope maybe it could even be one of you listeners. Um, you know, all you got to do again is, is even just shoot me a, a voice message um, through my email. But uh, it'd be awesome, though, to actually have a, <clears throat> a full length conversation with somebody, um, share their thoughts and opinions um, on this channel. And you can do so. Um, with the Anchor app, and uh, like I was saying, you know, you get the Anchor app, and we can really do a lot um, with it. We can really grow a community out of it, and um, so you guys, the the big thing, you know, for the new year, you know, and I'm sure everybody has their goals and things like that, but uh, I hope that you can do more thinking. You know, if I could give you a New Year's resolution, it's it's to be open-minded. You know, to consider more possibilities, to think more deeper thoughts, to uh, to just become intrigued in something that maybe you've never uh, thought about before or to learn something you've never thought you could learn before uh, because anything's possible to me. You, people can achieve so much. And um, so, yeah, guys, uh, I'll get, go ahead and get going with today's episode. Uh, this is going to be one full of juicy details. And uh, I'm actually my buddy Scott, instead of coming on the show, he's actually kind of signed up to be my, uh, my second hand, my info man. He's going to help me find all kinds of uh, neat little tidbits, videos, things that I can share, information I can share. And uh, he's so, so far done a great job. He actually definitely helped me construct today's episode. Um, and he and he did so with, with just a few little um, uh, facts and little tidbits that he gave me. And uh, I kind of just exploded it into this whole full-length episode here. And uh, today, guys, we're going to talk about um, governments uh, and, and UFOs and, um, and all uh, governments across our entire world have been a part in some way, shape, or form, uh, different projects, 
or operations where they um, either investigated UFO sightings or they directly investigated them uh, using, you know, uh, using aircraft or aircraft, uh, you know, sort of um, radar, things like that. Um, but uh, primarily they use like their military uh, fighter pilots, things like that to sort of seek out uh, um, targets, um, as I'll call them, people that are uh, objects that they have been, um, that they've seen on radar. And so they'll go track them and they'll see what they are, things that are unidentified. And, uh, and they've happened, this has happened a lot, it turns out. And, and d after doing some research, um, not only over the Christmas break here, but uh, just within the last couple days here, I've done some, some detailed research on uh, some different, very intriguing cases. And uh, the first, well, the first one I'll share, because this is sort of the big segue here. If you guys can remember, and maybe not a lot of you do, but um, there was last year, uh, in the same time, you know, it was, I think, December 18th uh, was when this video came out. Um, it was on CNN, and it was uh, by a, a former um, a former military guy who headed, a, who headed a project called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Programs Program. And uh, Louis Elizondo um, formed it in 2007, and it was to study... Um, it was a secret program that was just going to study UFOs. And uh, it, w it wasn't, interestingly enough, it wasn't a classified program, um, but it wasn't made public until December 2017 when uh, Louis was on the air with CNN. Um, I'm pretty sure this was all the same, the same time period. And uh, what Louis did was, um, was and this, this whole thing has been disbanded, the, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, they quit it in 2012, but uh, basically, if you guys haven't heard about him in the news, old Blink-182's Tom DeLong, he started this thing called the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science. He got a bunch of funding for it, and um, and so they, the, the To the Stars Academy is, are the people that actually featured the footage um, of the of the pilot, um, a fighter pilot who, inca who intercepted... Um, an object in this uh, this incident is called the USS Princeton aerial object incident. So you can look it up online and uh, get some information about it. And uh, so the, there was a footage that they showed of this jet fighter pilot, and um, he was chasing around a, a, this sort of an object that was just, I mean, maneuvering in all kinds of crazy ways, turning in weird angles, and doing just all sorts of strange things. And, it, and this isn't the only footage, and, and guys, I encourage you, if you haven't seen this footage already, to just go look it up online. And uh, I'll leave a, a link of it in the description on uh, deepermeaningtime.com so you guys can get there and to, and to see it. And uh, what I wanted to point out real quick is that all the information I'm going to bring you guys today, it's all, um, it's all just sort of, it's brief information. I did a lot more research than just, but what I've summarized for you guys is sort of just the information that I found on Wikipedia, which turned out to be fairly resourced. Um, and so, I, you know, I sort of checked through some of the things and they all, they all seemed legit. So everything looked pretty good there um, on Wikipedia. And so I encourage you guys to go, go onto Wikipedia and to find these things for yourself. And all I did um, to sort of, and it was pretty funny because I've been sort of going through all the projects and all these uh, things one by one just off their names. But Wikipedia, I said, and I typed a Google search, I said, list of known government UFO projects. And then it gave me a list of every country's projects that they had done. And uh, so that was awesome. You know, perfect find uh, for this episode in order for me to summarize so, sort of all these things that have happened um, in the past. But uh, anyway, back to the back to Louie. And um, so he was on CNN, right? He, you know, he he shows up everybody this information and, and the, re the reporter asks him, you know, she's basically just trying to ask, are aliens real or not? And uh, the only words that he really has to say is, well, we may not be alone. And um, so, you know, he said this now on live television. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of people that saw this. I don't know what at what time of day it aired. It might have been like 2 o'clock. So, you know, not a lot of people probably saw it, but enough, you know, older people probably saw it. And those older people probably just didn't care, thought it was just whatever. And so the To the Stars Academy has been criticized for bringing to light um, these 
blurry videos, blurry, really, you know, nonsense videos that uh, don't really, sh that really aren't good evidence. And, and honestly, I, I can't not agree with them because they are just more blurry videos. You know, we'll never get good footage. We'll never get good evidence um, of whether or not these things are real. But what the evidence we can discuss doesn't have to be about footage. It can be about documents and projects and things that people have been through in the past. Um, and so people can attempt to debunk all kinds of things, but, and they can even say, and what they said was about the, about the, uh, that fighter pilot video is that it was possibly just a bird, a bird he saw in the sky. Like, come on, are you kidding me? That, and that's what they, uh, you know, boiled it down to is that it's probably just a, you know, a bird, a misunderstood incident. Um, but you know, I, I think that there's a lot more to it and, um, uh, America alone is actually pretty interesting because when you start diving into ufology um, you come to find that america has the most interest in the subject um, there are several projects that are just dedicated to the research and the study of ufos and the extraterrestrial phenomenon surrounding it all uh, there's Project Blue Book, which is pretty widely known. There's Project Grudge. There's uh, Project Serpo. There's Project Sign. There's Project Silverbug. Um, and these are just like the main ones. And there might be more projects that have never even come to light that have dealt with them. There could even be ongoing programs and projects that uh, currently are studying them. Uh, you know, right now, today, um, and that could even be something that's you know, jointly done with uh, the Air Force. And I don't know if you guys have heard about the, um, I think it's called the X X fifty one or uh, no, I think I'm getting that wrong. Either way, the U.S. Air Force has uh, basically a miniature space shuttle that uh, they use and they fly. It's basically just a drone. It's an unmanned drone, but they launch it into space and they f they fly it in space. And, uh, and apparently it's just for reconnaissance, but uh, they it holds experiments for uh, the Air Force and classified experiments, classified things. So it's just kind of weird. But uh, so there could already, you know, still today currently be projects and programs that are dedicated just to um, extraterrestrial type of technologies or you know, futuristic technologies, the things that people sort of... Um, look at as being extraterrestrial in nature um, but you know whether or not that's true I don't know you know when, what do we really know it might just be a, a space lab for all we know but uh, there but the thing that makes um, makes me so fascinated by this whole subject that the government that you know how the government's been involved is uh, that they have had these reports that basically where you know a bunch of people came together they sat down they're like all right guys here it is ets are real and they're bothering us they're in our airspace they're causing threats they're 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 um they're a problem you know we we need to think about a solution to this problem and so one of these reports is called the brookings report and um it was done by nasa in 1960 and uh it was um basically a a study um, of the implications of what was called peaceful space activities for human affairs and uh, this this report doesn't specifically say or condone the use of cover-ups but uh, it states that human you know uh, cultures societies would be greatly affected by the information um, that ETs exist in some way, shape, or form, that UFOs are a real, in fact, you know, real thing. Uh, and it also mentions that the government might want to withhold evidence um, of ET and of UFOs from the public under some conditions. And guys, let me remind you, this is a report that you can find um, in, a, in the National Archives um, and it is, you know, it's signed, it's dated, it, it has all this information it's there you know it's real it was passed around what more do i need to say but uh and so many believe that this report is, is proof of the ongoing cover-up of uh, of et life already you know being discovered throughout our universe and throughout our solar system in particular um and others state that uh, this report actually sort of signifies the need to 
study, you know, further um, back in time of historical records um, for basically the effects of contact from intelligent extraterrestrial uh, life, you know, sort of intervening in what we think of as traditional cultures, you know, our ancient ancestors, traditional cultures like the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Egyptians, um, which may have actually been advanced societies that had been given advanced technologies and uh, that this information would be covered up and unreleased to the public for fears of, of disrupting, you know, culture and lifestyle. And this is in a report. Uh, it's the Brookings Report, and you can you can look it up for yourself. Um, and, and again, this is though this was not something that the government sort of, uh, you know, within the White House they didn't put this together. NASA put it together. Um, they put it together for um, this this study of the implications of peaceful space activities for human affairs, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, I think this is just pretty important here, the fact that it was written, it was passed around, and, and people are actually sort of worried. And uh, so there's also, you know, something more to think about is about like eight, about 18, almost 20, or uh, 10 years, like 10 years prior, eight years prior to, uh, to the Brookings report was uh, the Robertson panel. And it formed in January 1953. It was headed by Howard P. Robertson, and um, the reports and the briefings from their meetings, and they were held highly classified. And uh, about three years after it was formed, it was brought to the public in this book by this man named Edward Rappelt. And um, in this book, he writes about the uh, the Robertson panel that the, the basis of the, the panel of people was to discuss the effects of the investigations of UFOs. After tons of uh, reports happened in, uh, the, the, I think it was the summer of 52, in, this, in Washington, D.C., so, you know, the, the capital, you know, people are like, whoa, you know, we need to discuss some things because the, the UFOs, these UFOs have been sighted. And, uh, and you can, I think there are several places online where you can see uh, maybe some pictures of these supposed uh, UFOs over D.C. back in 52. And that's probably really all you have to search is UFOs D.C. 1952, you know, and you'll probably get something. Um, but so the panel decided that the UFOs were, weren't a, a, direct, a direct threat to our national security. And uh, that basically... When uh, when the masses, the, the oh that the that the really the 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 threat isn't direct uh, from them that the, the threat is indirect from us civilians. Uh, basically, you know when some when when it's re when a UFO sighting happens, it's reported by thousands of people jamming communication lines. And guys, this is back in the 50s, so you know I don't I don't think their communication lines were as stable as ours are today. You know we our communication lines handle way more power way more communication networks than they ever did before so back then it definitely probably wasn't an issue of you know people calling in reports and it, and it jamming communications um and that and it could be you know when communications were, were needed most you know sort of in in a moment when uh say there's a terrorist attack or something you know and and if the lines are jammed because of ufos and how are we gonna you know, we, we can't do anything. Nothing can be done. So, um, but most of these reports um, uh, from the from the panel, they concluded that uh, that that all these things, all these sightings, could be explained as just misidentifications of just normal everyday objects. Uh, not really necessarily normal, but normal in the sense that they're, they're not normal. They're they're I think they're classified as like super normal. You know, something that's normal but not understandably normal i don't know if i'm saying that right but uh and, and they said the same thing you know all, anything that's misidentified as an as a ufo could actually probably just be figured out with with further investigation as being some type of natural phenomena and uh but this is the thing that bugs me the most is that the robertson panel you know sat down and, and said that the public needed Educ an educational campaign to reduce the interest in UFOs 
and uh, and that they and that any civilian UFO group should be put on watch. And this just really bothers me. The fact that they decided that the public needed an educational campaign that basically taught them that oh these aren't UFOs these are just natural occurrences within our you know, our planets it's just things that happen and they chalk it up to all kinds of things you know ball lightning which is a big one that ufologists like to just laugh about and you know what bothers me even more is like when are we going to sit down and and, and say kumbaya you know when when is everybody going to come to terms with with it being real or not being real I mean, even me, I'm on the fence about it. You know, I definitely lean towards the real side, but maybe it would just help if everybody just sat down and said, "All right, guys, they're real. Let's stop screwing around." And, and you know what I'm saying? So like, it, it's just bothering me. It's really bothering me. And um, and so someone, and I, I believe Jay Allen Hynek, and you guys, if if you've been uh, researching ufology in any way, shape, or form, this name has probably come up before. He, he's a big name in the government um, surrounding ufology, sort of the, the face of the government within ufology. And, um, and, and I kind of I like what he said um, because he says that, that this panel made UFOs you know, scientifically unrespectable by just saying that they're nothing but misidentifications of things that nobody understands. And uh, so basically, it's, you know, the, the panel's just saying that, you know, UFOs they need to just be brushed off and, and and to this point that it's hindered the ability for scientists and, and for science to collect data to actually come to a conclusion on this subject and that's what we need that's what i'm saying you're saying you know we need to be able to to talk about this we need to just sit down and come to some kind of conclusion you know i don't know why it has to be you know so difficult and uh so the first thing that I really got looking at looking up because it really caught my attention was uh, this project called Project Magnet, and it, it's a Canadian project. Guys, Canada, you know, even Canada's into ufology. It's not just America, and Canada is too. And this Project Magnet is so incredible to me. Uh, just the the overall sort of hypothesis on how uh, how they believe that UFOs work. It's just it is absolutely fascinating. Um, so basically, the Canadian, uh, the, the transportation department of you know the Canadian Parliament or whatever you want to call it, the uh, the project was funded under funded under this guy named uh, Wilbert B. Smith in December 1950, and uh, Smith was a senior radio engineer for um, Canada's uh, like broadcast and, and measurements branch of their transport department or um div i don't even know what you want to call it the, the way canada talks about things it's so weird the way they classify things um, but smith believed that the ufos <coughs> used a, an advanced manipulative form of magnetism and guys this is in 1950 1950 they are hypothesizing this and this this bugs me even more because in my mind, this guy, Wilbur B. Smith, was absolutely on to it. He, he is on the right track. I need to look up. I need to do. I need to dig into this, and I'm going to. And hopefully, I'll uncover some more information about Project Magnet that uh, I can share with you guys in a future episode. But uh, so in 1950, you know, they're saying that uh, this man is saying that he believes UFOs used an advanced manipulative form of magnetism. That's just, uh, that's just crazy. It's just crazy to think about. Just think about it, you know? So the the, the projects, the, the goal was to collect data um, about UFOs and then to apply this data to engineering and um, different technology fields, uh, aerospace, um, propulsion, things like that, in an attempt to exploit the Earth's magnetic field um, as a source of propulsion. And this is all based on geomagnetics, and uh, you can look into geomagnetics, they're a very real thing, this isn't something made up, you know, it's, it's a science thing, geomagnetics, it's the Earth's mag electromagnetic field, you know, it's very, it's very prominent, it's there. And, um, and Smith even had some things that he had to say about gravity too, and so he's just an interesting guy, and uh, I'm going to have to definitely dig into him a little more. But, uh, but Smith and his co-workers, they believed that 
the UFOs would be, you know, the key to um, this new, to a new source of, of unlimited power for for the, the, the world, for the population. And uh, Smith was certain that, that uh, extraterrestrials were, were intelligent enough to do this. Uh, and he even claimed, and this is where I lose, this is where I lose him, but at the same time, why I'm, I'm also fascinated by him, he claims to have been in, in psychic contact with alien beings, with, with people that are, are sort of piloting these UFOs that he's been studying. Um, and in, in an article, he, uh, he basically talked about his philosophy on what he called the, the Space Brothers. And uh, these were these ETs that he was in contact with. And, and the term that he uses there, Space Brothers, oh, that's just so weird, you know, to think about. Um, because I, I, I've read in a lot of different places and I've watched a lot of different videos, you know, Space Brothers and, and the fact that we're sort of, uh, we're, we're connected to these ETs that maybe they were, um, they are our ancient ancestors and that they, you know, seeded earth and then left it and uh, you know, we are what's what's left of them and they you know they've evolved and they're advanced and you know maybe this is all hoopla you know who knows but uh, it, it's just interesting to hear someone else also have this idea and in the 50s you know be thinking about this and uh, so in 1952 um, this is right after Smith um, started Project Magnet the uh, the Canadian government established uh, this project called Second Story, and so you know at this point in time the Canadian government has two now two UFO projects, one's Project Magnet and one's Project Second Story, and uh, which Smith was involved in, and it was a group of scientists and uh, military officers and government officials, and they uh, they basically sat down. It's sort of like the Robertson panel. They they met um, on occasion to discuss. ETs and UFOs, and they were uh, just their aim was was to discuss different types of government interference and, and the actions that they should take to you know combat a possible threat or to uh, you know what to do if these UFOs landed and if they wanted to intervene in everyday life and things like that. So and uh, the fact that they you know sat down and had this 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 other project to discuss this just like America did, you know, which means that all these countries, and I'll get into more other countries have done the similar things, they, we all just need to come together. You know, we all need to just work together on this and, and figure it out together. Um, and, but, uh, <clears throat> so to finish Smith's story, um, Smith, he set up this observation point, and this is uh, something else you can look up, which is the Shirley Bay incident. Um, and so he set up an observation point at Shirley's Bay so that he could watch and uh, Shirley's Bay is in Ottawa, uh, Canada. Yeah. And, and uh, so he set this up just so he could watch UFOs. And uh, he, he said that he would he would know he would be able to um, find out more information by being able to observe them with some type of measuring tool. Uh, with some type of you know either electromagnetic measurement or um, a, a photonic measurement, I'm not sure what what kind of measurement he was taking, but he claimed that that a craft that the an, a UFO craft of some kind would emit a a detectable light or a wave, which could then be measured, and uh, and from that he would gain you know some more information and some more insight into into how it worked. And, and so guys, that's about it for, for the things that I found out about Canada so far. And again, this is just sort of a summarized off of Wikipedia, but I also didn't, I didn't dive particularly into each different country as I just didn't, I just don't have enough time to do that. I'm sure there's way more information that I'm missing, but hey, we've got all the time of our lives and I'll just do another episode in the future about it. So Operation Plate um, was also a, a, an interesting one. Um, that you can look up and I've actually heard several different uh, versions of uh, the same story uh, but it's actually a pretty popular one um, on the internet and amongst ufology and uh, Operation Plate was uh, this it was a Brazilian um, Air Force operation that uh, was going on between 1978 and uh, or 1977 and 1978 um, 
in the it was basically all over this the city of Calares, I think as I'm saying it right. Um, after there was hundreds of reported sightings, um, and the residents of Calares uh, said that uh, these lights that there were these lights off of of the UFO, and that was that's how they you know saw them, but that the lights of the UFO actually burned the skin of uh, a bunch of residents and um, after examination of these burns it, it's consistent with radiation effects of microwaves and um, so it, it's such a intriguing and just strange you know story so far and uh, and the, and others claimed that the ufo was was killing people with with these lights um, people others claimed that the, the ufos sucked the blood of <clears throat> of 400 um, or more residents in my opinion it was probably just the same thing um, if you sort of think about microwaves and you think about how they work uh, and, and this is all just in theory and just whether or not that you know if it's a UFO or not but it, this story is so compelling in my opinion that it, it makes a lot more sense to me than any any uh, really other stories um, because these craft would in some way shape or form and, I, and i'm excited to share with you guys here soon uh i'm gonna do some little small experiments with microwaves and magnets uh, because i have never really found a lot online and uh, and so with these experiments hopefully i'll get a, some insight maybe into um, microwaves and how magnets uh, affect each other but um so with these with the mic with with the electromagnetic spectrum within it is microwaves and so if, and, and within the electromagnetic spectrum is visible light, the light you see all around you, what comes into your eyeballs. So it's all within the same thing, you know what I'm saying? It's all um, similar. It can all be sort of uh, broken down into its individual parts and they're all the same sort of parts, if that makes sense. Waves, things like that. I'm not trying to get deep into it, but um, so when you think about the microwaves and they're like, okay, so it's burning people's skin. Yeah, that makes sense. It's burning people's skin. That's because the power output isn't isn't resonating properly with the moisture in your skin, um, so that it's just sort of burning it. Um, but then there's these other you know claims that it was actually sucking the blood from them. But no, maybe it's actually just vaporizing their blood. That the that the microwave resonance was so in tune. Um, perfectly with with sort of what the human body is what what the what the uh, moisture content of blood is you know what what uh, you know it, it they were able to take their lights or these these uh, emitters on these craft and they were able to concentrate them with a perfect resonant frequency of whatever your blood is enough to the point that they vibrated the particles until it until it vaporized and evaporated you know within your bloodline so these people just lost blood you know it wasn't sucked from them but uh, there isn't a whole lot of information about it so i, I could be wrong um but so the the residents actually named these ufos uh chupa chupa which means sucker 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 um so it's a sort of funny thing but it's it's brazil and sort of maybe maybe the city of claris which if you look up pictures of it it's not um it's not a city city like you'd think of it's not a chicago at all um so these people aren't necessarily all that uh keen into how microwaves would work things like that so you kind of have to have a, a broader perspective on microwaves and their effects how you can manipulate microwaves what the, how they are uh, how they're made you know things like that but uh, <clears throat> so one of the, and this is where the story also gets even crazier uh, one of the reporters of this uh, ends of the UFOs of the incident uh, he interviewed a captain of the Brazilian Air Force um about operation plate and the interesting thing about plate operation plate and its name you know plate is sort of saucer it's a saucer so it's just uh, a small little fun thing to think about i don't know if you caught it or not i caught it you know sort of immediately but i'm always looking at those kinds of things and uh, it was kind of cool to see that but uh, so he the uh, reporter is asking this captain about it and uh, and and after this interview you know three months later after this interview this captain hangs himself in his home and uh 
no one really knows why. You know, they they claim that uh, he he was just sick, um, that he was like low on himself, basically just down in the dumps. But uh, you know, people sort of think that maybe he was pushed to do it. That uh, he was convinced, or not convinced, but influenced to do it either um, hypnotically or in some way. You know, maybe with with sound waves, he was driven crazy with a noise in his ears, a ringing or something, to the point that he he killed himself. He hung himself with his rope belt. You know, which meant that in a in a moment, uh, an intense moment, he would have whipped off that belt, wrapped it around his neck, and hung himself. It wasn't really premeditated, in my opinion. You wouldn't put on your bathrobe in the morning and then five minutes later, you would be a crazy person if five minutes later you took off your robe belt and you hung yourself. So I, there might be some more to this, you know, that we don't really know. But uh, the official documents uh, of this incident, they can be found <clears throat> in the uh, Brazilian National Archives. And uh, so the investigation of these UFOs, it was closed pretty quickly after finding no unusual activity, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, needless to say, they're probably lying, you know. But, uh, so that was all in Brazil. This is just so this one incident in Brazil. I encourage you to go look it up. It's pretty fascinating. Um, so I'll move on here now to the next one, which is France. And this all happened. Um, <clears throat> this is another really popular one, really big one that you can um, easily look up. It's uh, definitely something that I found interesting when I first started researching this stuff. Uh, it's it's strange because uh, they it can, you can kind of correlate both the this France incident and the uh, incident in Brazil um, just based on the uh, sort of the outcome of what of what happened. But uh, so what ha what they call it is the it's the Trans in Province case. Um, it happened in the uh, it happened in a. Uh, and on the, basically one of the provinces of France called Var, I think, or something like that. And uh, in the Transin province area, region, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but so this was a case that was one of the most, said to be one of the most carefully detailed, studied, and documented UFO sighting that ever occurred. And, uh, and it occurred at about 5 p.m. outside of the home of the man, this man named Renato uh, Nicolai. And uh, he said he heard uh, some loud whistling and like ag agricultural work was was being done in his field. And uh, so he go he goes out um, <clears throat> to, to see this craft and and uh, and he, he sees it in front of his face. You know, it, it's it's a color of lead and it's it's two discs on top of each other, one on top of another. And um, this this tidbit here, these discs, one on top of another. And he claimed to say that there was uh, about protruding from the bottom of it, about eight inches was, uh, I think he said two or four uh, little nodes, which he didn't know if they were reactors or legs or what they were, but they looked interesting. Um, so to me, they're probably some type of emitter, um, in my opinion. Uh, but the fact that they're two discs on top of each other takes me back to... Uh, more magnetic things um, in in relations to uh, bull bull a bull magnet. To, if you take two bull magnets and you hold them um, with the insides facing away from each other, and if you can suspend them close enough together, they'll actually you know you can get them to uh, hover there, and there'll be a gap in between. But but they will be pulling towards each other, and, and you can take other like little magnets, like little little uh, ball magnets, little bearing balls or something like that. And you could throw them into the center and they'll actually sit in the middle and they'll all circle up. And, uh, and, you, and they'll actually form little interesting patterns and things like that. And so it's weird to see two discs like that because it's sort of a similar situation. And, and the, bull, the bull magnet, um, that, that thing goes across all of space and all of the universe are, are examples of the bull magnet everywhere. And I think I've talked about it before on here and I'll definitely be getting into it more um, in depth uh, after a while, um, after I do a little more research into, into magnet magnetism and, and bull magnets. Hopefully at some point or time I can actually make my own um, to be able to study this a little further. But... <clears throat> But for now, I can just look at these stories and, and, and relate all these concepts. Um, 
and you know this concept itself might just be whatever it might not actually mean anything uh, but uh, so uh, Renato you know he, he goes on he, he's detailing this craft he's talking about the shape of it the color um, and uh, but the most revealing thing about this whole incident is the giant burn circle left on the field and uh, and he said as soon as he walked out and as soon as he got a good look at it um, I think he even said maybe that he went to he went to pull out his camera um, and, uh, and this is in 1981, so you know it's not like he had a smartphone. He wasn't able to quickly open the camera app and take a quick photo. Um, so you know, I think he said he went to he went to go get his camera, or he, or he was pulling his camera out, and uh, and it was gone. It lifted up off the ground, and, and it immediately it, it it almost just vanished. It rocketed away from him so fast. And uh, I think in, in one of the in one of the reports or stories or whatever about this incident even says something like he could feel you know on his face the the heat from it um, the radiation sort of uh, tickling his skin um, and, and so this correlates to the Brazilian one because it's a it's a burn it, it left a burn which which goes to show that these craft are emitting some type of microwave either um, directionally or all around I'm not sure um, but for it to leave a big burn circle on the ground, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the, the strange thing. You know, maybe we're actually missing something and these craft are using um, some form of microwaves or, well, they're using some form of the electromagnetic spectrum in order to, you know, operate. Uh, so th I think there's a lot to be studied in, in terms of um, electromagnetism microwaves things like that uh <clears throat> but uh, so this case this case was investigated and it was sent to uh france has a bunch of little departments that study ufos and study weird aerial things and unknown reports and so uh, this case was sent to gpan g-e-p-a-n um which is a part of um, snes the national center for space studies and uh, they performed a, a thorough scientific investigation, and uh, <clears throat> they reported it back, you know, back through GPAN and uh, and their other department called SERPA, um, and these departments. And their their job is to report and study any reports of uh, unidentified um, aerospace phenomena, which I think is a much better way to describe. Um, unidentified flying objects. I think we should stop calling them UFOs um, because, and, and to use the words of Joe Rogan because it brings in too much woo. Uh, it, de it definitely does. As soon as you say UFO, people roll their eyes. So you know, maybe we need to start calling them UAPs uh, because it's, it sounds a little more scientific and makes a little more sense. And uh, so, you know, but uh, that's what they did. You know, that's what they had been doing in France for, for a while. Um, and so in March 2007, uh, GPAN started releasing its, uh, its archives to the public. All these documents, all these reports and findings of all these re reported UFOs and or UAPs, I should say. And uh, so, so I, you know, I encourage you guys to also check that out, too. You know, that's, there's so much information out there. And that is what is so um, intriguing and fascinating about this subject, and the fact, and that's why I'm, you know, sort of putting this little episode together about all these different countries having all these <clears throat> weird little programs and government operations going on that that study UFOs. You know, oh, because as if they're not a real thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, we've been telling each other forever. We've been laughing about it forever, acting like it's a, it's not a thing forever, but. You know what if it actually is and, and clearly since the late 40s it has been a pretty prominent thing in governments to study them um and, and i i get that they always say oh most of it can just be chalked up to misunderstood occurrences within natural phenomena that we just don't yet understand i get that but at the same time we know under we now understand quite a bit more than we used to and ufos are still a thing um <clears throat> and you know something that and this is something that the british um the british ministry of defense actually talks about is that uh ufos are are noticed as triangles because they are refractions of 
of light um, through like clouds and gases in the atmosphere. But I I have to I have to um, I have to say the Phoenix lights happened at night, so I think that might be debunked there. That little theory. Um, and strangely enough, guys, I'm having deja vu right now. But uh, but anyway, the uh, yeah the the British Ministry of Defense says that you know it's a refraction of light. The reason you see a a, a UFO triangle thing, um, but that can't be when thousands of people um, at, back in 1991 reported the Phoenix lights as being a real thing. You know, a huge triangular object. Um, above the city of Phoenix with with multiple lights around it flying overhead that that can't be a refraction of light when the sunlight isn't even shining anymore <clears throat> so I don't know you know it's just it seems a little a little strange to just go as far as to you know make a conclusion that it's just refraction of light something that we don't or it's something we just don't understand well of course it's something we don't understand you know duh but with more discussion into these things we can find out more information that's the whole point and you know that's also why i'm doing this episode today but uh so yeah so under under the ministry of defense as i was just talking about the uh, the british government formed something silly called the uh, the flying saucers worker party and uh, which was aimed just at studying UFOs, and it was really the first official study that uh, the British Parliament ever did. Um, and this, this started in 1950, uh, and it was by then by the then ch chief scientific advisor, uh, Sir Henry Tizard, and uh, and he he insisted, and I don't I don't know if I uh, if I like this guy, but he insisted that not all reports could be dismissed. And that, uh, and that, you know, some of them needed further investigation. Uh, yeah, he's right, but uh, but at the same time, you know, they, the British Parliament also, you know, says that these things are nothing. And so, you know, what further investigation is he looking for? Because nobody is even willing to consider anything more than they're a refraction of light in the sky. You know, I don't know. But uh, there, there's a, a more a more recent project uh, that was interesting. That was it's called Project Condine. Um, it was a secret UFO study that was done by the British Defense Intelligence Staff, uh, and they uh, worked on this between 1997 and 2000. So you know we're talking you know recently, and uh, they wrote this 400-page document um, detailing over 10,000 different sightings and uh, and close encounters and and they released it to the public uh back in 2006 and uh the 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 details of the report uh show and i'm gonna guess probably about 10 percent were unexplained um and then the rest they just made all these excuses for them you know they just came up with ideas and reasons as to why people claim to have seen them why um why they were being, you know, abducted? Why they were close encounters, uh, and, and they just chalked it up to things like light refraction, um, misidentification of of UFOs as balloons or other aircraft, commercial aircraft, uh, and they're saying it's just misunderstood weather phenomena. Something, and there's even something called buoyant plasma formations. Um, which basically made it sound like uh, within our atmosphere, there are times when cosmic rays interact with, uh, I think, ions in our atmosphere, and then they form basically these little balls of plasma um, that come and go. They sort of just dissipate, and then they, they'll form and they'll dissipate, and they only happen under certain conditions, um, different alti you know, proper altitudes, humidities, things like that. Um, but so that so that these formations were happening and when they occur they give out massive amounts of electromagnetic radiation which people which uh, people then are taking in you know and, and it's 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 the waves are penetrating into your brain and they're and they're messing you up and so that's what they call uh, that's the reason for for close encounters and for people saying they got abducted that that they just simply had hallucinations 
because of buoyant plasma formations or ball lightning you know if you look up ball lightning it's basically the same thing um and ball lightning is like i said it's it's big amongst ufologists as being the the silly stupid answer to what ufos are you know and, and it's silly to think that um, the details of this report even said that oh it's just a misidentification of of weather balloons and things like that like okay is this still roswell you know this is 2000 this is 97 to 2000 and we're still talking about weather balloons as being um you know what what was going on during roswell uh, come on seriously it's it's been a long time since roswell we can we can move on from that we can move on from weather balloons and let's start talking about the truth you know and uh <clears throat> so the report also says that uh that even scientists in the former Soviet Union were, were correlating UFOs with these plasma formations. And, uh, and so that is an interesting little tidbit, you know, that possibly these plasma formations do, you know, do occur. Um, and, and that may be. Um, and so with this information, uh, the Soviet Union, you know, back in the day, they were actually pursuing, you know, technologies uh, related to these plasma formations. I can see that, you know, we, we do things with plasma all, all the time nowadays, but uh, the, the difference the difference is, is that, sure, some UFOs may have just been these ball lightning, this, this buoyant plasma formations, whatever, but that doesn't mean they are all that way, because we have seen numerous times, if you visit the uh, YouTube channel Secure Team 10, um, you'll even find tons of examples on there of UFOs that clearly aren't ball lightning. You know, it's clearly not um, something plasma related. Uh, so I, I think there's definitely, you know, a lot, a lot more to it that we're we're definitely missing. Um, and and so guys, I wanted to share here that this is just the last thing because this is my, sort of the my my uh, most important. Thing that I sort of dug up out of all this information and uh, it's this thing called and I have never even heard of this before but it's called the estimate of the situation and it was a paper and that was written in 1948 by um, those assigned to project sign which I mentioned before was one of the uh, American projects that uh, did things with UFOs back in the back in 48 and this is, you know, pretty much during Roswell. And uh, Project Sign may have even been an outcome of Roswell. I'm not sure. Uh, but but anyway, I, and we'll get into these uh, different projects here in a future episode uh, for sure. I, you know, maybe even the next episode or a Thinker episode. I'll uh, get into some details of all the different uh, American uh, black budget secret uh, projects that we got into that uh, all had to do with, with UFOs. So... Um, the, the people that were assigned to Project Sign um, were explaining that uh, in this paper their reasons for why the extraterrestrial hypothesis is the most fitting answer to the UFO phenomenon. And um, as of 1960, there had been uh, some Air Force personnel that came out and said that this document has never existed. And uh, so that's kind of weird, um, but you know, we, maybe it, maybe they're just covering it up. You know, oh, it's easy to say, oh no, nah, that didn't, that ain't real. But uh, although you know, at the same time, there have been many officers and um, different higher ups that, that have claimed it's real, and uh, and attempts, I guess, to obtain this uh, this estimate of the situation, this document, have. Um, have proved just useless um, via the Freedom of Information Act, and, and and that you know, needless to say, I think they're probably lying, and I think something's fishy there, uh, because they are supposed to be able to you know give out this information, especially something that was as early written as early as Project or written as early as 1948, um, so it's weird that they would even be hiding it still. So maybe it's not real. I don't know. Uh, but there was this incident called the uh, Childs um, Whited UFO incident. And, and it, it included two skilled commercial pilots. And uh, this is back in 1948. 
and they said that a, a torpedo-shaped object almost collided with them in, min, in, uh, in mid-air. And uh, the strange thing about this case was that the same description of a sighting from three days prior helps to possibly confirm the existence of uh, this UFO. And uh, it, it may even help to confirm the existence of, of ETs, just the fact that there are multiple reports of it from you know multiple days. Um, but so the first report of this paper was in Edward Ruppelt's book, um, which I talked about earlier, which included the Robertson panel. And, uh, and the report was also said to have been real by one Alan Hynek, Alan J. Hynek, and uh, was also confirmed by an Air Force major named uh, Dewey Fernay. Uh, he was working at the Pentagon as a representative of uh, the UFO project out of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And, um, and Fernay says that the ET presence is an extreme extrapolation of uh, of the UFO phenomenon, but I, you know, I, even even though he says that, I I still I still think that uh, the fact that there was leaked sort of this this information that the people you know in Project Sign were coming to a conclusion finally after all this time, you know. Um, we finally have maybe a document that's out there that says that there, you know, there was conclusive evidence, and and written in 1948. You know, so I I I don't know why Fernay would go as far as say that it's an extreme extrapolation. I, you know, me uh, yeah maybe he is right because some things can be um, said to have been a misunder a misunderstood weather phenomena or something like that, but. <clears throat> But when we think about what I was uh, discussing before was the fact that out of the Robertson panel, they discussed that there needed to be an educational campaign to reduce interest in UFOs. And, uh, and there was campaigns to um, basically let, let UFOs become, become normal enough that uh, people didn't care. And there, there are like sort of uh, programs that, that that said, oh, you know, UFOs should be uh, turned into just a fictitious subject, which is what it is today. Uh, you know, you think about ufology, you talk about ufology, it's nothing but fictitious. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe we're all missing something. Maybe we need the estimate of the situation from 1948 to sort of help shed some light on what people were thinking back then. I mean, if they were thinking it back then, then what is, what, where, where are we now? You know, at what, at what point do we stop and, uh, and look back and go, okay, they were right back then. What have we done now? Why are we still in our, our stupid ways? Why haven't we moved on? Why haven't we come to a conclusion? Why, why does the, the UFO subject have to be so disrespected to the point that scientific investigation of it is thought of as pseudoscience you know you can't even you can't even talk to somebody um, or even discuss with somebody uh, again in the term in the words of uh, Joe Rogan you can't talk about woo 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 types of things uh, because people don't like it you know it's 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 scary it's uh, it's uh, something that's doesn't. There's not a lot of evidence, so people just push it off. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, people like the Robertson panel said they were worried that people were going to, um, people were going to panic. That it was going to be a problem. That people uh, wouldn't be able to accept the information. That basically the best thing to do is to to keep it back, you know, from the public. And if they have to do that, they have to do that. You know, and they. Really, I highly doubt anybody even feels sorry for doing it, and uh, I'm sure they've done it. I'm sure they've done it on many, many occasions. I'm sure things have happened um, that uh, didn't make much sense. And uh, oh, I, you know, and I almost forgot here about the about the Russian. There was a Russian one. I, uh, a, real quick here, guys. There was another Russian um, project. It was called Institute Twenty Two. Uh, that's right, and it was uh, set up in 1978. 
um, I believe. So it's weird how all these sort of timelines all add up here, you know, how they all these different things happen. Uh, there was some big interest in the beginning, it died off, and then interest took back off in the late, in the, um, late 70s. Um, and then definitely, you know, basically all of it kind of shut down right at the 2000s and we didn't really talk about it. We don't really have a lot of information about it anymore. Um, but you know, maybe again, like maybe it's stuff still is being, uh, is going on under our noses. But, uh, so Institute 22, uh, I mean, it, and it was a, a secret organization, uh, that the Soviets were doing. This isn't really, you know, today Russia, this was something the Soviets were doing. And they did it for 13 years um, until the fall of the Soviet Union. And uh, the only job was just to investigate UFOs. And uh, <clears throat> it was the job of soldiers and sailors and pilots. They they, they gave them orders to, to observe and report. Um, and, uh, and it turned out that uh, they checked out over 3,000 different reports. And, uh, and they said that basically 10% remained unexplained. Um, it's believed also that uh, in 82 of the Soviet, uh, um, or sorry, one of the Soviet launch sites, uh, a nuclear launch site, uh, this is in 82, had mysteriously uh, been armed and was ready to launch a nuclear missile. Um, but after a minute or so, the launch was, uh, was successfully aborted, and uh, it was later theorized that uh, a UFO sighting that was reported uh, within the same area at the same time, um, that this UFO was responsible for the triggering of this uh, nuclear launch. Um, <clears throat> and, and out of that, you know, they, uh, Russia just said, oh, you know, the... The, uh, the UFO that, that you guys saw, it was, it was just a high altitude test flare and, the, and that the nuke incident was, was all just a test. Um, again, excuses, 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 excuses. That's all we hear. And it's all just in an effort to not panic the public because we're going to have to change cultures. And, and I don't know why they're so worried. Nobody asked us. Nobody ever asked us. Like 20, 30, 50 people sat around in an office room and they said, okay, this is what we're gonna do for the rest of the millions of people in the country. That's ridiculous. Like nobody has ever asked us our opinion. Why? And uh, well, as you guys know, that's that's the point here on Deeper Meaning Time is to, to bring out our opinion, to bring our, our opinions to, to the surface so that people, um, People know that you know you, you can have more than just your than just the average opinion that you hear on on the media, on TV, on the news, online. You know, any you come up with your own opinion. You come up with your own conclusions to things. You can do that. We can we can all do that. We're all capable of that. And uh, and hopefully, you know, if enough of us do it and we we get out there far enough, people will listen. You know. Um, the, the sort of the the powers of, of the country, the powers of the world will will we'll listen to people that are that have come together and, and are you know they want something and what we want is information what we want is the truth because it's what we deserve and nobody ever asked if we wanted the truth nobody ever asked how we felt they just pushed they pushed ideas they pushed um, opinions and they didn't let anybody think for themselves but like I've said to you guys before, that that is the point here on Deeper Meaning Time is for for people to, um, you know, to push yourself to a, to a newer, newer height, um, to a newer limit, really, um, because you're capable of it. And without you, without more of us, who knows? Who knows what will happen? We'll all just end up being stupid little sheep that get nowhere in life. Um, but uh, guys, you know, I wanted to wrap it up today, and I'll, and I'll leave you guys with a few more little things you can go look up. And uh, so yeah, so the, the Phoenix Lights uh, happened in uh, in 1997. I think I said 91 earlier. Sorry, it happened in 97. Um, so you can look up the Phoenix Lights. You can look up Roswell. Um, the Rendlesham Forest incident is a really really big one, and uh, I might just do a Thinker series episode about it because there's a lot of info. Um, and a great and awesome report that you can read um, online in a PDF form um, about the Rendlesham Forest incident. Uh, I mean, an absolute awesome report um, done about it. There's something called uh, the Belgium UFO wave, where there was a period um, over Belgium 
where uh, many, I, I think hundreds of UFOs were reported um, within a span, I think of like a month or so. And uh, I didn't, I haven't looked up much into that one, but that's something you guys could definitely look into. There's uh, another uh, another incident called the Kex, Kexburg incident. Um, there was an incident called the the Shag Harbor, and uh, and the 1952 Washington D.C. incident where they had all the reported sightings. So those are all you know more more information you guys can find. And uh, like I said, I all I did to find some of this information to sort of be able to summarize it up for you guys. Um, was I typed in list of lists of government UFO projects and uh, and I found plenty of information and uh, at the same time all you have to do is type in and Google Phoenix Lights um, and you will find uh, similar uh, events in the little tab there or down, you, know, you know as you scroll through the the Google search um, you'll see other incidents and you can look up and re read and research those on your own um, but guys, this stuff's important, you know. You you can't just look at all this stuff as as, as nonsense. It's a it has a reason for being here, and and if you think it, if you can think it, um, you know, there's got to be something to it. Uh, so guys, I just wanted to you know leave you with a, a wish that your new year starts off great, and uh, that it starts the way you're looking for for it to, and uh, that you <laughs> hopefully achieve all those goals that you're looking forward to. Uh, yeah, achieving but um so yeah so guys you know the motto with every revolution of the earth let's keep the discussion going because that's what deeper meaning time is all about is exploring the endless thoughts and curiosities we have every day and discovering all the deeper meanings time has to offer my name's evan thanks for listening <laughs>